listeners, and welcome to our second episode of Imposter. We've been getting some amazing feedback and encouragement. We are so thrilled that you all are enjoying this, and we are happy uh, to oblige and continue supplying content. And today, uh, we have a super spicy episode for you, and I'll throw it over to my gal Taylor to explain a little more. Yeah, we we had planned um, our next episode to be with our technical recruiter, Lindsay, but we just couldn't wait until next week to do that with her. So we wanted to do this smaller podcast. And um, and someone had asked on our Instagram plug, impost her pod on Instagram. Um, someone had asked if we could just talk about our experiences working in the male dominated field of tech and what that's like. And um, yes, we can, and we'd love to. Uh, so this is going to be a juicy one. It's it's meant to be a little salacious and a little provocative. We're not really going to hold back on our stories. We're going to pretty much tell them as they happen to us, but we won't share names and we won't share companies. So little be little will be left to the imagination. But we're not doing this to call people out. We really want especially men listening to this to really understand what it feels like when some of these things happen. And we're not looking for apologies or people to feel sorry for us. We just really want to explain like what goes through our mind when these things happen, because I think it's really hard to understand if you're not a woman and um, these things happen, whether microaggressions or flat out harassment, they, uh, they really start to erode at your confidence and make you feel like you're not capable of doing your job. So with that said, Monica, kick it off yeah. with uh, some yeah. of your fave sexism examples in the workplace. Fave moments, the cutest moment. I am going to start off by throwing it back to my boot camp days. This was right after I had graduated and I was actually hired by my boot camp to stay on as sort of a TA. And there was a, there was some competition. I'm, I'm proud to say that I was not the only person who applied for that job. Uh, And I was one of a select few who was chosen and I was happy. I was proud of myself. I was flying high mainly because I didn't have to be going to boot camp for 12 hours a day, every day anymore. And at our, I think it was at our graduation party, a fellow boot camper in my cohort came up to me and I can't recall the entire conversation, but the one thing that really stuck out in my mind and sidebar, he had also applied for the role and I think not been chosen. And he just said to me, you only got that job because you're a girl. It's, I, I feel like when, when guys' egos get hurt, like that's, the play, that's like the easiest place for them to go. It's like, oh, you know, they, they, they want to diversify and you're a girl. So yeah, that's why, that's why you took the job away from me because the entitlement is so, <laughs> is so prevalent that like, there, there must have been some extraneous reason was, why. I mean, he, was, he was a smart guy. I, he was probably one of had probably the strongest background in that boot camp and in that moment 
it was just kind of a, it was just kind of a bummer because obviously hence you know the name and subject matter of our podcast that was probably definitely something that was already sort of lurking in the back of my head so for someone else to say that was just sort of instant validation yeah it's like it's like verbalizing your your biggest fear you're like is am I only being chosen for this reason that has nothing to do with my technical skills and then someone saying that to you and being like okay there it is confirmed but he knows nothing so like he can shut up (laughs) and um so that was bummer number one and then uh fast forward a couple years and I was out in the workforce as a professional software engineer and I got a promotion sort of out of the blue to a more leadership centered role and I was super excited about that it happened sort of all of a sudden and I was still sort of digesting it everything was great and the same day that I found this out I have to laugh about these things so that I don't cry and the same day that I found this out, I just happened to go for a walk with uh, a guy, a coworker on my team and completely unsolicited. I think the first thing out of his mouth was, hey, congrats on the promotion. Just so you know, they offered it to, insert name of coworker here, first, but he turned it down. I'm like, what do you say to that? And the the really regrettable thing when I think back on these unfortunate circumstances is my reaction in both of these situations was just sort of immediate acceptance and not not the kind of mindfulness acceptance that you're supposed to do in your day-to-day life. Internalize, like you internalized it. That's a much better word. And I and I didn't react and I didn't call the person out for saying something pretty fucked up. And I'm disappointed in myself, but hindsight's also always 2020 and I'm also a very non-confrontational person. And especially with things like that, when it's a belief that you already hold, unfortunately, and internalize, you just sort of ex- accept it and continue to sort of believe that that is your truth. I will say, and this was over a year ago, and only this year I was recounting this story to another coworker and she is first of all phenomenal human for doing this, took it upon herself to actually see if there was any merit to this and there wasn't. So this guy I don't know where he heard or got the information that the position that I was offered was offered to someone else before me who turned it down. But it turns out that that wasn't true, which was great. But it's even more confusing now as to like, why did he say that? I mean, and even if it was something said that was said, why? How do you lack the self, so much self-awareness to bring that to the person while you're congratulating them on getting that position? 
I mean, that is, I think that's just a whole, a whole difference between men and women also. And I don't run into too many men that say blatant comments like that. Cause that one's pretty egregious, but I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine saying that to anyone? Even, even if it was true, even if you heard worse things, the only person I can imagine saying it to is myself. Literally. I know that's, that's something we'll work on, but, but I think, I think the takeaway here is this is a, this is an extreme example. Um, and a pretty rude thing to say in general to anyone, but especially female coworkers, like thinking about the female coworkers that you work with, try to approach conversations with them with a a little bit of like curiosity. And what am I trying to say? Like maybe in the back of your head, think about, think about the hardships that they've probably gone through to get to this job. And, and maybe even think that there, there might be a little imposter syndrome going on here. So please do everything you can to lift us up. And not say things like that that may confirm our deepest fear that we don't belong in this industry because that is, is so counterproductive. One of the most frustrating things when I try to explain this to, to men is that they'll be like, that person, that person's so nice. That, that person doesn't mean that. Oh my gosh, no, 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 no. He didn't mean that. Thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. You're right. I must be crazy. I'm a crazy person. Oh, oh, okay. All is forgiven. He didn't mean it. No, no, no. It doesn't matter if he meant it or not. He said it to you and it has affected you for a while. You don't forget someone saying something like that to you. You know, it doesn't matter if you have the best intentions. Like if you slip up like that and you say something and someone takes it in a way you didn't intend, you you may have not intended it, but it still is causing harm. And that's the hardest part about sexism in the workplace and harassment. People could have good intentions, but really not be coming across the way that they think they are. In this case, I think he came across the way that he wanted to because it was a pretty direct comment. But, but that's something that I think a lot of guys have a hard time wrapping their head around because they're like, I'm not sexist. I don't, I didn't mean that. Like what, I, you know, I, I, I love my female coworkers. They're great. They're smart. And, you know, they can, they can be some of the worst offenders. So. Sorry that happened to you, Monica. And guess what? You're still in that role and rocking it. And, uh, you know, that's all we have to say about that. I feel like you actually set yourself up really well when you mentioned, you know, people who potentially put you in uncomfortable situations who don't necessarily have bad intentions. And I, I'd love it if you could share maybe, I don't know, a time that that happened to you, Taylor? Mm, yes, yes, yes. So the topic I want to cover is asking out a female coworker at work. <laughs> Obviously, a coworker at work, a female coworker. So this has happened to me about 3 times. You know, you you may be thinking, "Oh, well, what's what's the harm in that?" You know, you ask you ask a, a female coworker out. If they say no, okay, that's fine, then you just don't bother them again and you know, let them go. It sounds harmless enough. Like you tried, you know, maybe you felt a vibe, you want to go for it. The harmful thing about that is um, it really depends on, you know, how often you work with that person and the power dynamics at play with your role and theirs. Even if you're peers on, a, on very similar levels, there, there's still, there still are a lot of times that maybe that person is going to be relying on you for information or 
or um, you know projects or you giving fee peer feedback to their manager. And so you're pretty much always putting that woman in an uncomfortable position. My advice would be to never ask someone out at work. You know, if you think if you think there's something there, maybe wait for the woman to do it first. That that would be my very safe advice because the times that this has happened to me really they really affect me because you're worrying so much about making that person who just made you uncomfortable, making them uncomfortable that you didn't like appreciate the advances. And then you have to see them every day and you have to work with them every day. And you have to now censor yourself and consider all of the words and your behaviors. Am I smiling too much? Am I, am I flirting with that person? Like, um, you know, so on top of doing my job, I now need to filter all of my interactions with you to make sure I'm not giving you the wrong idea or you don't perceive me as a bitch for turning you down. Um, it is like, it's just this really exhausting dance of, of a really uncomfortable, uncomfortable feeling. It also hurts because, hurts is a strong word. It's, it's uncomfortable because you wanna really be seen by your male coworkers as an equal and like a, an equal contributor, someone they go to for technical advice and support. And, when instead they come to you with like a romantic advancement and they don't come to you for those things, you start to question whether you're on level playing field and whether your male coworkers actually consider your contributions valid and helpful. And so you start to think, does everyone just see me as like someone that they could be romantically interested in? Or am I a real member of this team? And you respect me. I think it's, I think it's really a respect thing. And yeah, you know, you, you really may not mean anything by it, but really think about how, how that will down the line cause that person to, you know, have to act around you, reconsider how they're acting in the workplace. Um, because of course we blame ourselves. Am I wearing this? Was I smiling too much? Was I flirting? Was I giving you too much attention? And Frankly, when this has happened to me, I've said, okay, I'm going to stop being so nice in the office and I'm just going to speak in a monotone voice and um, be more harsh so nobody is attracted to me. And also, I'm going to start wearing really baggy clothes and not putting makeup on and, you know, looking like I roll out of bed so that no one is paying attention to my appearance. And the only thing you have to pay attention to is my work. And um, so, yeah, so that's. That's my soapbox on that one. Um, and uh, this, kind of, this kind of dovetails into the next one, which is um, a specific scenario. And there's a good chance this person will listen to this. Um, there's a specific scenario where I interviewed for a company. This person I had, uh, I had connected with before interviewing and he actually you know, invited me to interview thinking I would be good for the role. But before we did that, he wanted to get drinks to talk about it. Uh, another thing that I would say, guys, don't get drinks with a female coworker unless it's really about work and a project. You know, it does, you never need to get drinks one-on-one -on -one with a female coworker unless, again, she suggests it. This, this was a scenario where this was a man who was a manager uh, of a team that could hire me at a good company. And so what, what am I going to do? Say no to the drinks. I need to go and make that connection and learn about the job in quotes, what really happened at the drinks, 
was it it just felt like a date like it was so uncomfortable i kept kind of inching my my like bar stool away he was sharing stories more about his past relationships he didn't mention the job one time he kept mentioning our age gap and how and how like sad that made him that he was an old man and i was like mm mhm why are you talking about this like and what about the job so I was there because I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't like, felt like I couldn't really say that I could leave. I was there until I think honestly, like 11 PM. Cause it started, it started at like 8 PM after work. Oh my gosh. So like three hours. So a three hour date basically. And this man is married with kid with two, two little kids. Like, I'm just wondering what, like, what, what are you saying when you get home that night? Like I was, I was with coworker, like the, the real story that I was out with a girl about 15 years younger than me for drinks for three hours. That seems like a weird story you would tell your wife. I mean, I don't know. I'm not married, so I don't know what goes on in marriages, but that seems odd to me. seems like something you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't share. And this, I have to shorten this because this has been such a saga and it's, it's still not over. I still get contacted by this person, but uh, basically, so, so that weird drink date, uh, you know, fake interview thing turned into, okay, I'm actually interviewing now. And I submit all my materials, including my phone number. I still didn't have my phone number at this time. He was communicating with me via the company's lock. Oh, after that date, he followed me on Facebook and Instagram right away before I got to the car. Like, again, not something you would do if you're trying to hire someone. Right. And so, yeah. So then I, I interview. I ended up not getting the job because of a weird, uh, like a weird loophole. Thank God I didn't because I don't think I would have survived because of this, because of this scenario. This man had now had my phone number, my cell phone number from my application and used that phone number to text me. Where are you? Why weren't you at this meeting? Or, Hey, you want to get drinks? Um, Hey, how's this? Just inappropriate communication for our relationship, which was of... (laughs) interviewer and interviewee we weren't friends and yeah so he pretty much continued to text me like that um you know up until this year uh you know this happened three years ago or so and it's just it's one of those and and he actually just got a new job uh, as an engineering manager at a, another big company and I still am like ooh, you know should I entertain this because he could get me a job here Uh, If I ever wanted to work there, I would have to be around him. And it just sucks. Like it sucks so much that I have this company that is a really attractive company to me that I would be like, oof, can't work there until he's out of there. And if this person hears this, I think the funny thing is I think he would be shocked. He would have no idea that this was inappropriate. I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know. A lot of it felt a little more uh, nefarious to me. It was like a pretty blatant one where, you know, texting me like, wanting to get drinks after, uh, I went to a new company, just, just stuff where, you know, if you're not friends, like these are not behaviors you're doing normally. So that one, that one still, that one still bothers me a lot. And it happened kind of under the guise when I first met him, I met him at this event. He was like, Oh yeah. Like you're, you know, I love your communication style and, and your story and your background are so interesting. And so he kind of hooked me by, by playing to what I you know, what I think my strengths are. So I was like, wow, he really sees these strengths. And then really, you know, it seemed a little, it's like he used that, he used that to, to pull me in. But what he really was interested was not interested in was not those things. And again, like 
yes, there, there was no overt like act or thing that actually happened. It was a bunch of small, small things and texts and weird communication and weird events that felt uncomfortable to me that, you know, I just kind of put up with because of the connection and because you don't want to seem like crazy or a bitch. Like he could be saying, like, what are you talking about? I just wanted to, I just wanted to catch up. It's ridiculous that like, that's the expectation that you put up with it just so that he could potentially put in a good word for you when it really should just be your merit. And that's the only thing that it should ever be. Right. Right. Exactly. I think another thing to touch on is just, you know, there, we've had a couple, the, the stories that we've told are a little more overt, uh, in term, they, they seem a little more obvious in terms of sexism and harassment. I think what really, yeah, what really erodes the confidence and just erodes your self-esteem and, uh, your being and your spirit over time are the microaggressions. And they're called microaggressions because they're really, really small and really on the surface could seem innocent. But when you hear it over and over and over again, or the same thing happens over and over and over to you, you hit a boiling point where you're just like, I, I can't do this. I, and then maybe you, inter, you, you react and blow up at one thing that you maybe normally wouldn't. And then everyone's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Well, are you okay? Like, and then make it a huge deal. And you're like, it's not just about this one. It's about this one and this one and this one. I feel like I hit that point um, last year, like, and nothing really to do with my current job, but it was like being in this industry for four or five years, all those little moments uh, had been building up inside me. And I'd just been kind of swallowing them until I hit a breaking point where I was just like, uh, I'm yeah, boiling over. I can't. I can't continue to do this. Like I need a, I need to step away for a second. Can you give an example for our curious listeners of what a common microaggression is that you would face? Okay. Here are a couple. So like, let's say your immediate team, like if your immediate team needs to create a document, create a training, create a, some kind of shared thing to, to present out to the rest of the group. I feel like I am never gone to, I've never pointed to as like, Taylor's going to do it. It's always a handful of guys that it's like, oh, oh, he's already doing it. No worries. And there was a one instance where I had actually been working on something for months as one of the only members of the team. And then it came time to train others on that thing. And it was like, oh no, um, don't worry. Blah, blah, blah. has been working on that for, uh, he's been working on a presentation for that. So he'll be training on that. And I was like, so I had no opportunity to even say, yes, I would like to. It was kind of allocated in the background, like in the shadows, <laughs> who knows where, where these things happen. So yeah, just not getting the opportunity to be picked, to do things or not even being a go-to of, thing, of, of the one that has the answers or knows this thing the best. That kind of starts to get to you. And then you're like, okay, fine. I'm just never going to volunteer to do something because clearly my contributions aren't respected here or valued. That's so that's one obviously being interrupted like that happens to everyone happens to guys too I'm sure but I think something I've started doing which I don't really like is that I kind of just bulldoze people in conversation now like I just keep talking and I'm like louder I do that too 
I know, but I feel like it makes me a little more abrasive than my normal personality. So everyone kind of thinks I'm just this abrasive person that like is harsh, like more harsh than I want to be. But I feel like I have to in order to be listened to sometimes because sometimes it's the loudest one, you know, that that gets heard. So yeah, the interruptions are really hard. Monica, do you have any, um, do you have any strategies for people to, to combat the interruption or anything that like allies can do if you, if you see it happening that you can do or anything that's worked with you? Well, first of all, being on Zoom calls like we are now, but especially Zoom calls where it's multiple people, meetings where there's an idea being discussed, uh, some sort of review process, anything like that, it's already super awkward because we're using software and we're not in person. So there's always going to be a delay. So I, I find myself being, I've been much more forgiving in this weird virtual office that we now inhabit, I think, but, and this is probably stuff that a lot of people already do, but putting yourself on mute when you're not speaking, also just being very mindful of, and this requires you to kind of keep the little gallery of everyone's spaces or pictures up, but sort of if possible, keeping tabs of if someone has unmuted themselves, that is a general indication that they have something that they would like to say. And if you do interrupt someone, which I often sometimes find myself doing, just be sure to give the floor back to them and acknowledge that they also had something to say as well. Yeah. I'll see that done a lot where it's like, we'll start talking at the same time. And then someone will say, Oh, sorry, Taylor, you were, you were saying, or if they think my thought is, is, is finished, then they start going and I'm still talking. I'm like, Oh, Taylor, go ahead, go ahead and finish. I would say, yeah, throw it back to them before you finish your thought. Cause like, that's the most frustrating thing is when you're sitting there, like trying to finish your thought. And then by the time they get back to you, you're like, never mind. <laughs> it's, it's already passed. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good thing to do is like, or if, if the person who is the interrupter of the offender, uh, doesn't have that self-awareness to, to throw it back, someone else in the room can easily just be like, wait, Taylor, were you finished? Or <laughs> I think Taylor, I think Taylor had a, had something to say. And, you know, maybe it sounds a little awkward and maybe it sounds like a little bit like you're you're calling that person out, which you're, which you're not, you're just, it's an observation. Taylor had something more to say. And, um, maybe that, per, maybe, maybe it'll strike a chord with that person. Like, Oh shoot. Did I interrupt? Like, hopefully that's, that's like, the, that's the goal there. So yeah, that can be really helpful. It's, it's hard on zoom because you really can't read the body language. And like, if someone is taking a breath about to speak, you <laughs> like can read the room. Also, another thing is I'm bad at this because I talk all the time in meetings because I feel like no one talks. So I'm like, hey, let's go. But being being aware of how much you're talking in the meeting and being like, I'll do this all the time. I'll be like, I've been talking too long. Mute. And I mute myself. And then that just opens the door. Because sometimes the other, the other thing that I think happens, even with men, this is not just a female thing, is a lot of people just, it's not their personality to be the first one, just, just let their first thoughts fly. A lot of people want to take time to digest their thoughts, form what they're going to say, like maybe a little less comfortable public speaking. So they need more time to 
to form their thoughts so they sound coherent. And while that's happening, everyone else is talking, talking, talking. And so they may just, they may have just kind of missed the boat to insert themselves because they're thinking, just, just taking a little bit more time. It's just a difference in personality. So leaving that silence, allowing people to fill the silence uh, that maybe normally don't talk as much or call it be like, hey, you guys have anything to say? Like not, not calling out, but hey, blah, blah, blah. I haven't, you haven't said anything yet. Like, do, I don't want to miss you. I have a couple of coworkers that'll do that too. Like Taylor, the, the few times I'm quiet, will be like, Taylor, I, you, you know, we haven't heard your, your thoughts yet. Any less juicy ones, Monica? I think those are the biggest ones that come to mind. All, besides also when I'm presenting, sometimes I feel because of, I'm, because of this lovely thing called imposter syndrome, when I'm presenting on a technical topic, I sometimes feel like, I feel like I'm not going to be able to actually explain it in a way that I need to. Like, I feel like I almost, sometimes maybe I don't have the level of understanding I really need to fully explain it. And so I'm kind of afraid of questions. <laughs> and I take it when people ask me questions, I sometimes take it as an attack when it's really not like when it's really a question to clarify something I said. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm just being questioned more because I'm a woman or, you know, I feel like I get more questions than, than men when that could totally be something in my head. But sometimes if I get like harsh questions, I'm just like, God, like, <laughs> why, why are you doing this to me? Like mind your own business. I think that's something that's hard for me. I think I take feedback well from people that I work with a lot who there's that level of respect where like, you know, you know what I'm about. I know what you're about. I know that you have my best interests in mind and you're going to give me feedback because you care about me. But if people I don't work with that fire questions at me, if they sound the least bit judgmental or harsh or monotone, like they're not smiling. I'm like, wow, he hates me. He thinks I'm stupid and he doesn't think I should be an engineer. You know, it's like, it's crazy. The, the leaps that your mind can make with imposter syndrome, um, because you're always waiting to be found out. You're always waiting for someone to be like, nope, to confirm your worst suspicions, like some of your stories did, Monica. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I think with technical presentations, though, I hear, I, I just hear a lot of the same, not the same questions, but I think everyone, if it's a juicy topic, People love asking questions, especially because we go to technical our technical presentations that we go to are so all over the map just in terms of the stage that they're in, because we only have X amount of slots available and you're not gonna hold up starting your project to just give the initial presentation on it to get by. And so sometimes you'll see a presentation on a topic that's just very much in the infantile stages. And sometimes you'll see a presentation on a topic that is something that's going to be released into production the next week. So the, the range of, of questions really varies also based on what stage the, the project is in. And I, try, I have to try to tell myself this too, especially because I'm psyching myself up for a technical talk, I think, next month. And so I've been trying to pay extra attention now to questions being asked of people giving talks this week and next week, just to kind of remind myself, no, it's, it's not just me. 
people are just curious. People want to ask questions. They only sound passive aggressive because they don't have their camera on and you're literally just looking at a black box that is talking to you. But at the same time, I've blocked off, I think, like 10 hours on my calendar between now and my presentation so I can be extra super prepared. So no, I'll have questions anyway. Just applause, please. Thank you. No, but like, you think guys do that? You think guys are like anticipating all the questions and listening to every question being thrown the past two weeks and preparing for that? No, they're not because they already think they belong here and they don't have, they just don't. I mean, and I'm sure this is not all guys. So sorry, guys, if you're saying no. Sorry, we're not making sweeping (laughs) judgments here. We're we're literally just word vomiting at this point. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, I have this job. Yep, of course I have this job. Of course I get paid this amount of money. Of course. I'm going to get promoted soon. This is just the job that I do. And, you know, I'm really good at it. And they just give presentations willy nilly. And if question comes, it rolls off their back. And it's, it's just so crazy how the same experience can be taken so differently um, by, by people based on the, like their lived experience and what they bring (laughs) to the conversation with them. And like, by the way, the sexism and harassment is, is stuff that that contributes a huge part to the imposter syndrome. So when it's not happening to you as a guy, when as a guy, you're not, you're not being told you got that promotion because blah, 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 turn it down. You don't have those moments of self-doubt that we do daily. Like you don't have those times that just constantly chip away at your, at your confidence. Maybe you do sometimes, but. Or maybe I, you do. And if you do yeah. keep listening to our podcast, cause we're going to keep talking about it. <laughs> um, I, I will but, say I, one other thing that I have noticed, I'm sorry I cut you off, Taylor. I'll, wow, we'll get back wow. to you in a moment. <laughs> um, but what I have to say is just extra super important. Uh, it's not, but I run the risk of forgetting it in five seconds. I have noticed a lot more people saying they don't know in these big presentations when a question is asked and I think that that is something that almost like never occurs to me because I, and I know you have talked about this before, this sort of uh, perfectionist tendency and it's unacceptable to not know all the answers at once, even though that's incredibly unreasonable. So it's totally okay to also say, Hey, that's a great question. I don't know. And then get back to them, uh, slip into their Slack DMs a little bit later with an answer. Yeah, that's such a good point. And the more times people do that, instead of trying to make up an answer, just spit out a lot of words to sound smart, um, the, the more normal it makes that. And so you don't feel when you have to do that, you don't feel like it's such a failure. But it's still just because I feel like I need to prove myself 10x times the guy next to me, if I don't have the answer, it's like, oof, you know, everyone watching knows that I didn't know the answer for that. When in reality, they probably don't care. Yeah. And half of them aren't paying attention. Half of them are not, not paying attention. It's so true. It's so true. I want to make sure we cover a couple of words that people may call women, like in, in, a, in a work environment. And I think you had one that someone called you, right? Oh, I do. I do. Thank you for reminding me. I was called bossy, the B word, by my first manager. I was called bossy. 
I was called bossy by my grandma last Christmas. So <laughs> I know what it's like. That's so funny because your grandma was my first manager. So Wait, that yeah, I forgot. That's crazy. <laughs> no, it was, I, I honestly don't even remember the context, but it was, it was just one of those moments where it was like, really, man, like it's 2017. That, this shit doesn't fly anymore. Uh, and then this, this is another cute anecdote. Th- this honestly could happen to anyone, but this, for anyone listening, just, you know, like, don't do this. It's not a cute look for anyone. Um, but one day at work, a coworker unsolicited just told me in front of everyone that I looked really tired. Oh, God, the tired. I bet that, I bet that same person is who told me I was tired, too. <laughs> Maybe he was tired and he was just projecting. And hey, maybe guess what? I don't wake up in the morning to look pretty for you at the office where I come to do my damn job, okay? Like, who cares? I am tired, okay? What? Tired of your bullshit, man. (laughs) Yeah. I'm tired of dealing with your ass. (laughs) Oh, man, it's cracking myself up. (laughs) Yeah. That's another no, no, do not comment on a woman's appearance. Good. Or, I mean, I feel like you can say, you know, if someone got a haircut, you could say nice haircut. Uh, you could say nice shirt. Um, you can say nice shoes. Those are, those are pretty innocuous compliments. I love a nice shoes compliment. I would really appreciate that. I know no one listening probably has any idea like what, my shoes wear but like that's okay you can still dm me and say nice shoes i'm just at monica grandy my favorite my favorite nice shoes comment was part of becoming an engineer was was weird for me i really like clothes and i like oh, i know where this is going this is so good <laughs> keep going keep going I really, I really like you know nice things and guess what when i when you're an engineer you can buy them so sometimes i buy them for myself uh, actually these I didn't buy for myself, but I digress. <laughs> so if you're familiar, I, and I, I hope this doesn't make me sound like just like a spoiled brat, but you know, like I said, we deserve nice things. We, we work hard and you know, you can make money being an engineer. Okay. Whatever, um, honestly, whatever brings you joy. No, but I feel like, uh, like this is part of the imposter syndrome too. I'm like, okay, engineers like wear hoodies and, um, and technology tees that they got from a conference and, and, uh, you know, Nike sneakers, which I, you know, love a good Nike sneaker, but like, it's just such a casual look that I felt like coming in hot with like a, you know, designer purse and, you know, anything more than a baggy tee and, and a sweatshirt feels like I would be standing out. Like the whole point of this is we just want to fit in. We just want you all to think that, that we are one of you. But anyway, I decided to wear, I got, <laughs> I got some Gucci slides with fur on them. And they have like, look them up, Gucci slides with the fur. They have fur around the edges and they look cool. They look kind of like slippers, but like a little more fancy. And I wore them to work and I got at least 15 comments, all from men, only men saying, and they have no idea what it is. They don't know what Gucci slides are. I barely know what that is. 
and they're coming up all engineers. I mean, it was just the funniest thing all day long. Whoa, those are so cool. Oh my gosh. I've never seen shoes like that. Whoa. What are those? Those are so cool. Just, it was like, honestly, pretty cute. Like I, I, this is, this is acceptable. These are acceptable compliments. And yeah, I was a just nice dying. shoes compliment. All was acceptable. Should be the default. <laughs> I was just dying all day because like, if they knew what those shoes were and like how expensive they were, they'd be like, what in the literal fuck? Like, why would you? Um, but it was so funny and, and sweet. Um, how did we get on this topic? Compliments. Complimenting a, comments on a, on a woman's appearance. Good versus bad compliments. Good versus bad compliments. Could do a so that's whole an episode on that. <laughs> you can comment on my shoes when I put a lot of effort into them. Um, yeah. Are there any other ones, Monica? Kind of a recent one that I got was that like, I know it wasn't meant in a bad way. It was kind of joking, but it was like, Taylor is a lot. And I was like, oh, oh ew. I know. It, it, and again, I know the person did not mean it, but I was like, oh gosh, do I need to tone it down? Like what? It's, it's just so exhausting having to change my personality every time I get a comment like that, you know, I'm not, I'm not changing it. Don't worry. I'm too old to do that. But like, yeah, just filtering or being like, okay, do I need to filter this a little bit more? Filtering is really tiring. Even just having the thought, like even just having the thought that creates the thought loop of second guessing, because it's not enough to just be second guessing, you know, the code and the pull request that I just made also have to be second guessing every slack I send and every like oh is that too many exclamation points because it's either it seems like it's either and I'm talking about like slack combos right now it's either passive aggressive or too enthusiastic and there's no middle ground maybe an upside on smiley face is a middle ground I throw I sprinkle those in those are good, good neutrals because um, the regular smiley face is like oh, we've all seen this before the regular smiley, to be honest, is kind of creepy. It's like something that like dads text because they don't have, they've never seen, like they don't know how to use the emoji keyboard. So they just do the colon, like smiley face. Um, those creep me out. You know what? Um, and uh, yeah, emojis not to send women. <laughs> the winky face. Um, oh my gosh, I forgot my best story. Wow, that was such a good segue. Not, not, not the best, but most shocking. <laughs> so I had a coworker who was actually my friend, like I would hang out with and it wasn't uncomfortable. And he was a guy crazy. Um, and he, he was just like a little different. Like he was, he was just kind of silly and like super immature, super immature. You were kind of like, what, like, what are you, are you serious? Like, do you not know what that means? And he, he like found it really funny to send us, us being uh, some of the women the eggplant emoji all the time and the peach emoji and those two together. It was this weird game that he thought was funny where he was like, what does this mean? Ha ha ha. And we're like, yeah, ha, 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 ha. hilarious. <laughs> like, I don't know what the motivation behind that one was, but yeah. So emojis not to send women eggplant and peach together eggplants by itself. I mean, I honestly, let's, let's just X out the whole produce category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Like I can't imagine a time you would need to send 
any produce to a woman. Um, we'll just like avoid that. Let's avoid that. Any kind of suggestive winky faces or like kissy faces. I don't, I've never seen that. Um, yeah, hearts are fine. I feel like hearts are normal because it's just like liking things. Hearts are okay. Maybe not the kissy heart one. You know, we'll think on this. We'll think on this. If you have any other suggestions um, or emojis you want us to dissect, we can we can go into that. <laughs> but yeah, I think this was, I think, I'm, I'm hoping this was helpful. I'm hoping we get more men to listen to this one. And guys, please pass this along to your male friends, even if they're not in tech. Like, these are things that I wish more men could hear. And I wish there were more trainings on because it's just so hard to understand what the experience is like without hearing it from a woman. And, and to be honest, it's really tiring to explain it over and over again. It's like, we're already the ones being harassed. And then we need to take our own energy to explain why your harassment is hurtful. So don't make us do that again. We already did it in this episode. <laughs> and, and this can be just forwarded, forwarded to your most, uh, your most eligible harasser that you know. I do want to say that I have worked with a lot of amazing men. You're not all bad. You know, a big reason I am where I am today is because I've had incredible male mentors who have been really patient and kind with me, who have sat with me for hours when I'm trying to figure something out. Um, I'll shout, actually, I'm going to shout them out. First one, Max, my mentor at Disney. Second one, Patrick, my mentor at Headspace, who I still work with, like you guys, thank God, like you guys have provided me an education like that I, that I could have gotten at it better than what I could have gotten at a university. So, and my first manager, Matt at Headspace, uh, also my current manager, Flo, like you guys, I have worked with really, really good, good guys. So they're not all bad, but part of what really got us fired up is just thinking, like having to relive some of those moments, just get you like ah, feeling kind of crazy. I would even say that, that no one, even the people in these stories are not, they're not inherently bad people. What's bad and what's fucked up is the, the system and the, the culture that we've created where women need to just work harder to be taken seriously in uh, more technical roles. And, and that that behavior is so ingrained, especially in tech. There's like this bro culture, bro grammars. And, um, you know, sometimes a company is started with all men and it grows into a bigger company and then women start coming in and, but the men have been comfortable. They've been acting, you know, how they do with their buddies and just, um, maybe don't, don't kind of evolve with the times evolve to be most inclusive of different people. So yeah, you're totally right, Monica. Like the system is really what has kind of like enabled this behavior and makes it, you know, so much worse when it happens to us because it, it you know, it confirms like, okay, I guess, I guess we we're not meant to be here, but yeah, no, we're working through, we're working through these, these moments. Yeah. One other little, one other little tidbit I want to just share because I feel as though it's been super integral for us at work. And this goes out to all of our other women engineer friends. If you don't already have an employee resource group for women or some sort of regular 
women in tech, women in and meet up at your company, highly, highly recommend to get one on the books. Don't worry about having an agenda. Just it's it's just so nice. And we have a couple of these meetings now at Headspace. And it's it's so nice to have everyone together and just kind of talk about any difficult situations that came up, how to handle them and just really having that support group and and knowing it's there has been so, so wonderful for us. And so if you have the resources to do so, I would highly recommend either getting more involved in yours or starting it yourself. Yeah, it just makes you feel less alone. And it doesn't need to be something super formal. You can put a meeting on the calendar with some women you know in the org. Say, hey, let's get let's do a lunch meeting. You know, let's do a 30-minute meeting and just talk about any issues that we're we're coming up against and get and get advice from the rest of the group. But it can be super small. And it's a great way to just kind of build that community. I think with that, episode number two is down in the books. That was a that was a juicy one. Thank you to everyone who's rated and reviewed our podcast on Apple. It's so touching, honestly, to see those those come in. It really, really is. And um, you know, that's the way that our podcast can grow. So please, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple. If you if you want to be so kind as to follow our Instagram, impost her pod and our TikTok, imposter podcast. Um, I'm also posting our TikToks to the Instagram. So if you don't want to go so far to like make a TikTok account, you can you can stay around on the Instagram. But thank you so much for our second episode. We'll be back next time with, actually with Lindsay next time. Um, Hear about all things tech recruiting and how to get hired. Bye.